Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Father, thank you for the truths that you're going to reveal. Scriptures that we may have read many times, yet in this season you're going to open them and you're going to unveil them so that we can glean from them like we've never needed to before. Father, we come to you needy tonight. We come to you tonight wanting more, wanting more of you. We want more insight. We want more leading Holy Spirit into truth. God, we ask that you would shape and mold us into who you've called us to be, not who we think we should be. And Father God, I thank you that your church is morphing and it's being transformed right before our eyes in this season. And when we come out of it, we're going to be unlike a church that any, any church that we've ever known or seen before. The body will be different. Father, I feel like you've got us in a spiritual boot camp, as it were, right now. And God, I just thank you that we are now exercising our faith. And like Hebrews 5.14 says, by reason of use, we have our senses exercised, and we are now able to discern between good and evil. Father, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I really, really believe that God is doing a new thing, and yet when God's doing a new thing, the call goes out, can you not perceive it? I don't think it's a question of whether or not God's doing a new thing. I think it's a question of whether or not we're perceiving it. Um, we see in, in Isaiah 42 a very similar passage in verse 9. It says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Then in verse 10, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. And so the context here in Isaiah 43 is the, the future restoration of Israel. And God's telling Israel through Isaiah that what he has for them in the future is going to be so amazing that the past cannot even be compared to it. God promises a way through the wilderness. God promises rivers in the desert. And God will cause the most unlikely here, it's Gentiles, but he'll cause the most unlikely to honor him. And don't forget that, because it's real important to where we're going to end up tonight. God will cause, cause the most unlikely to honor him. And at the end of the day, church, it's really who honors God and who doesn't. It's really who's praising God and who isn't. It's really who is genuinely worshiping God and, and who isn't. And so I want to draw your attention to where it says God gives water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The title of my message tonight is Waters in the Wilderness. This not only points back to the Exodus, but it also points forward. And it's real important that we understand that. So there are two key words in verse 19 of Isaiah 43. The words way and the words rivers. The words way and the words rivers. And these two words have big meaning in the New Testament. And our study tonight, and really what I believe a prophetic word for the church tonight is going to revolve around these, these two words. So let's, let's jump into it. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I'll make a way 
in the wilderness. I think it's significant that the early New Testament church was called the way. I think it's very significant. And we see this, and you can look it up for yourselves, and we don't necessarily have the time to to go there because there's a lot I want to get to you. But you'll see this in Acts 9, verse 2, Acts 19, verse 9 and 23, Acts 24, verses 14 and 22. You'll see the early church being referred to as the way, as the way. Powerful that God did a new thing in the midst of an old thing. Here where I'm going tonight, that when the early Christians, the first century Christians were being labeled the way that God was doing a new thing in the midst of an old thing. Israel had its religious order and its sacrifices that began as a genuine move of God and stood for hundreds, hundreds of years. Jesus came as a fulfillment of those sacrifices, putting his law on hearts, ushering in a new covenant. And I'm not proposing tonight another new covenant, I'm not. But I am suggesting that God is up to something new, do you not perceive it? Even before it springs forth, he's announcing it to us. And just like in the days of the early church, I don't believe, any, I don't believe everyone's going to grasp it, and I believe that many could very well persecute it. Please keep in mind that Jesus was crucified by the religious leaders of his day. He was persecuted by the religious leaders of his day. In fact, Jesus, John the Baptist, were persecuted the most by the leading religious leaders in their day. Notice rivers in the desert. As I was writing last Wednesday's message, God began to show me this truth. And I almost added it on to last week's message, but I realized in the moment that this is bigger than just a a tag along into into an existing sermon. It needs to be a message in and of itself, which is why I'm sharing it tonight. So go to John chapter 7, verses 37 and, and 38. And you can tell I'm already getting a little bit jacked about this because I believe it's so critical that we have spiritual ears. Keep in mind that to all of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, anyone with ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. What is God saying to the churches? That's the greater question right now. That's the bigger question right now. It's not whether or not this is the judgment of God that we're going through this whole COVID-19 period. It's what is God speaking to the churches? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to the churches? Look at John 7, 37 and 38. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the, scriptures, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now look at verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, 
for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified, meaning Jesus had not ascended yet, so the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. So let's make a powerful connection tonight because that word rivers in Isaiah 43, 19 is often associated with the influence of the Holy Spirit. John 7, 38 speaks of rivers of living water. So what's being spoken of here is not old, it's alive, and it has to do with the Holy Spirit's influence flowing from the heart of a believer, flowing from the heart of a believer. Older, even older versions will say, for out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. And so out of your innermost being, out of your heart, should flow rivers of living water, should flow the influence of the Holy Spirit. So stay with me, but I'm going to make a leap, and then hopefully we're going to tie it all together. Go with me to Proverbs 29. And I believe bar none, the ESV that I'm preaching from tonight is the best rendering with this verse. Proverbs 29, look at verse 18. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Notice that it's not just any vision as it's many times preached that way. But the accurate rendering here, and if you would look it up, you'd find it to be so. It says where there is no prophetic vision. And if we come to understand prophecy as a now word from God, where there is not a now vision from God, people cast off restraint, or we could say that they run wild. People cast off restraint, they run wild. They go crazy. So when scripture speaks of prophecy or the prophetic, it speaks of a now word from God. And the more I study, the more I pray, and the more God brings back to my remembrance the things that he's spoken, the more that I'm convinced that rivers are connected to modern day prophecy flowing from the hearts of believers in abundance, in abundance. People are and will run wild where there are not now words flowing from proven prophetic ministers. And in the driest, most desert-like places, rivers will flow. Rivers will flow. Go back to Isaiah 43 with me, and I want to make another connection here. In Isaiah 43... Look at verse 20 again. It says, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Notice that these are people that God has formed for himself. And it doesn't matter what our opinion of these people are. And here's why I believe the church is going to miss it. Because these people that are going to honor God were once running wild. And it's funny that it uses jackals and ostriches to depict 
these people, if you do any kind of brief study in jackals and ostriches, you'll find that jackals are animals that make their dens in desolate places. They're not accepted animals. They're outcasts. They're scavengers. They hang out in places that most do not. Ostriches. Ostriches are birds that have a small brain, and they are known for laying their eggs openly in the sand and just leaving them there. So when we think about wild beasts or we think about people that are running wild, we're thinking about people that might be outcasts in society that have been abandoned by their own parents, yet God says, these people I have formed for myself. These people will declare my praise. These people, they're gonna honor me. God is taking a people that society has not really thought much of, respected, maybe has even looked down upon, and he is going to bring them out of the ashes. He's going to bring beauty out of ashes, and he is going to form them for himself. They're going to honor him. They're going to declare his praise. It's going to be amazing, and it's going to be powerful, and if we're not hearing what the Holy Spirit's speaking to the church, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss an opportunity to sow into one of the greatest moves of God that we've ever seen before ever seen before. Jackals and ostriches are going to honor God. Those who've been hanging out in desolate places, those who've been abandoned by their own parents are going to come to Jesus. Mark my words, church. Some of the greatest worship leaders that the church will ever know will be these jackals and these ostriches. Right now, they're running wild. But God is going to see to it. He is going to form them they will honor him and they will declare his praise. The next wave of church leaders are those that are running wild now. They're running wild now. But when God begins to move, they're gonna be thirsty. Whoever's thirsty, come to me. Isn't that what John 37, 737 said? Who's ever thirsty, come. They're gonna be thirsty for the living God. They're gonna be hungry for the living God. And God promises, Whoever hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled, and it's filled to overflowing. And these people aren't going to be trained in any kind of religious order. They are going to simply be lives that have been transformed by the living God. Tats, piercings, you name it. And God is going to use them to honor him, to declare his praise, and it is going to be an unprecedented move of God unprecedented. And the people that don't grasp it and the people that cannot understand it are not going to receive from these individuals that God is raising up. He's going to form them. He's going to form them. And they are going to grow leaps and bounds. And they are going to pass people in spiritual growth that have been in the church for years. They're going to just fly right by them. And the people that have been attending church for years, if they do not grasp the day of visitation, they're going to miss out on one of the greatest moves of God ever known. It's going to be powerful, powerful, powerful. They've been running wild, but God will provide rivers of living water for them. Just want to say a word to my cessationist friends Friends of mine in the ministry that do not believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation today, they don't believe that prophecy exists today, and I want to I challenge you. 
that just like the Lord encouraged the seven churches in the book of Revelation, I encourage you to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to the church today because that's really, really what it comes down to. Are you going to hear from God? Are you going to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as a leader, a spiritual leader? And please don't tell me that God is not speaking to people anymore because of course he is. Where did you get your sermon last Sunday? He spoke to you. He communicated to you in a way that you knew that that's what you were supposed to share. The Holy Spirit is speaking and it's only a matter of whether or not we're hearing. It's never a matter of whether the Holy Spirit's speaking or leading. It's whether or not we're hearing and following, hearing and obeying. And I've shared it before, but in Old Testament thought, hearing and obeying weren't two separate words. They were one word, shema. The word listen also means to obey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the shema. It means to listen, it means to hear. And obedience and hearing were of the same word in the Old Testament. They weren't two separate. So in Hebrew thought, Hearing and obedience were one and the same because what would be the sense in hearing if you weren't going to be obedient? It didn't even make any sense to them, so it was one word to them. Hearing and obeying was one word. So it's a matter of us hearing so that we can obey, so that we can obey. I'm convinced with all of my heart that on the other side of this virus, there's going to be a line drawn, a very distinct line drawn. It will separate hearers of the Holy Spirit and what he's saying today to the church from those clinging to years of tradition, hoping that it'll save them. It'll be a clear line, a clear line drawn. Jackals and ostriches will have nothing to do with tradition because it cannot quench their thirst, and they don't understand all of the years that preceded. They don't understand all of, all of the tradition that's been built up over time. But they know truth when they hear it. They'll discern God's voice when they hear it. And I've said it, and I'll say it again, that the day is quickly upon us when the church will be a revolving door. People that have been attending church for years are going to leave, and people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness are going to come. Jackals and ostriches want the truth. And we're either going to hear from heaven and give it to them, or we're going to forfeit our lampstand in these last days. I want to speak of a very strange phenomenon that happened to our church when we were in the process of purchasing and we're we're you know, raising money and we're, we're, uh, we're going through the plans. We had purchased the Weaver's Building, we had purchased Tailspinner's Bar, and we had purchased the old Napa Building, the old blue Napa Building, for those of you that have been in the area for a long time. And before we tore the buildings down, a very strange thing happened one day and we saw it on the front window of our church. And I just want to show you a clip of this. And I thought it was very significant that we um, had, a, uh, we had a, 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 a clip of, 
It was a frosted silhouette of the lamppost that was on the front of the Weaver's Building window. And I think we got a couple clips of them, we're showing them to you, that um, this frosted silhouette of a lamppost was on the Weaver's Building. And then I want to draw your attention to Revelation 1, verse 20. And what scripture says about this. And I believe that God was marking that building as a church building even before it was removed and the church went up. Almost like God was laying claim to that land even before we were able. And in Revelation 1.20 it says, As for the mystery of the seven stars, you hold my right hand, the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels or the pastors of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the lampstand represents the, the church. And I thought it's so powerful that the only modern day equivalent that we have of, you know, a lampstand um, was this lamppost, and the image was frosted, the silhouette of the lamppost was frosted onto the window of the weaver's building as if God was saying that I have caused this church to exist. I have caused this lampstand to exist. But we also know from scripture that God doesn't have a problem removing a lampstand either. And so mark my words, church, that in the last days it will become critical that we hear what the Holy Spirit saying to the church that we do what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do because God doesn't speak to us for our pleasure. He instructs us. That's why he never seems to answer our complaints. God, why are you doing this? It always seems like God responds with instruction. Trust me. Be patient. I love you. God instructs us through things. He doesn't always answer our complaints but he will answer our prayers. Prayers that are in accordance with his will like 1 John chapter 5 tells us. Or John 9, 31 tells us that God doesn't hear sinners, but if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. So please know that in this time when you're seeking God, that he speaks to you in, in instruction. He's always instructing us through things. That's why when you're praying and you're going through a difficult time, it seems like he'll ask you to do something. And you're wondering, God, why, why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't, why aren't you telling me what's going on? He's doing the same thing that he did with Habakkuk. When Habakkuk waited for God to respond to his complaint, God said, write the vision, make it plain. He instructed Habakkuk. He instructed him and noticed that he spoke to something that he had already given Habakkuk. It was just a matter of him writing it down. Write the vision, make it plain. And so right now, you might be wondering, God, why? What's going on? What, 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 what's the deal? And God right now is instructing you, trust me, wait on me. I'm going to work good through this. You're going to be stronger through this. My grace is, is sufficient for you. He could be speaking things just like that to you in your times alone with him. But the key and the critical point for you and I as the body of Christ today is to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. 
That's what it's all going to come down to. That is what's going to separate the, the, the church that is alive and vibrant, a radiant church, a glorious church, from a church that's just trying to hold on to, th- to their traditions, just trying to hold on to what they've known for years and years and years. God is doing a new thing, and it is up to you and I to perceive it. God is going to visit us in a way that he's never visited us before, and it's going to be up to you and I to discern and to perceive the day of our visitation. And we cannot get caught up in who God uses or who God doesn't use because he is going to take people that were once running wild to honor him and to declare his praise. Church, get ready for it. It's going to happen. And if you get more caught up in the virus than the victory, then you are going to miss what God's doing. If you get more caught up in the virus than the day of our visitation, you're going to miss it. The Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. It's a matter of whether or not we're going to listen. It's going to be a matter of whether or not we're going to obey. It's a matter of whether or not we're simply hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying. You who have ears to hear, I want to encourage you. Hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Hear what he's saying, church. I want to pray for you before we part tonight. And I pray that this, that spurred something in you, that there was a witness that was confirmed in you, that there are things that God's been speaking to you that maybe through this, God confirmed. Be, be spending time with God so that you'll be able to hear and you'll be able to discern his voice. You're going to need to. It's the most important thing right now for the believer to clearly discern his voice, to get past all of the fears and the anxieties, to get past all of the emotions, and to clearly discern what God is speaking today to you. I just want to pray right now. Father, I just pray for everyone that's watching. I come against every bit of fear. Because fear says, stay put. Faith says, reach out. Fear fear says, I wouldn't do it. And faith walks in obedience. Father God, I ask that you would equip your body right now. That they would be reaching out through all of the amazing technology that we've been given, have been afforded, that we would use the resources at our disposal. And Father God, for for maybe the first time in our lifetime, for good, to further your kingdom to reach out to the hurting, to minister to people. God, I thank you that more people are tuning in. More people are being a part of prayer services. More people are diving into your word than ever before because they want to know what's going down. And God, if we're gonna find out what you're doing, we gotta gotta draw close to him who holds the future in his hand, and that's you, oh God. So Father, we look to you tonight. And wherever we're at, Father, whether we're close to you and we just want to become stronger or whether away from you and we want to draw near or whether we don't know you and we want to know you. Father God, we surrender right now at this moment. We're tired of struggling and wrestling and battling you. We're, try- we're tired of trying to outthink you and try to figure out what God's going to do next. Your ways and your thoughts are so much higher than ours. There is no figuring you out. There's only following you. And that's the only way we're going to get through this. We're going to follow you out. Because your sheep know your voice, and when you speak, we follow. And so, Father God, I ask that there would be a spirit of obedience. 
that would come upon the body of Christ like we have never known. It wouldn't be people seeking positions. It would be people seeking people out who are away from God, reaching out to people who are away from God, calling people who are away from God, people that once walked with God. Father, bring the prodigals back. Heal the backsliders with their backslidings. Father, we ask that you would restore your bride. Restore your bride, oh God. So Father, we come to you with a repentant, a broken and a hungry and a longing heart for just you. You are what we need this hour, and you and you alone. Father, we look to you. We draw strength from you. And Father, even now, if we're away from you or we need to come to you, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins, and we ask Jesus that you would come into our heart. If that's you and you're watching, and you need to come back to the Lord, Quit thinking that he won't have anything to do with you. Quit thinking that you've gone too far and done too much. Just come to him right now and ask the Father to forgive you in Jesus' name for all of your sins. Invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your heart. You could have been attending church for years, your whole life, and you never knew that you could ask Jesus to come and live in your heart. You thought the temple was a building. You invite Jesus in your heart. The temple becomes your body. Jesus, come into my heart. Father, forgive me of all of my sins. My life is yours now. I'm completely and wholly yours. Jesus Christ is Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You prayed that prayer. Please start reading your Bible, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, best place to start. Start praying. Start crying out to God. Start asking God questions that he can answer like, God, what would you have me to do? God, how would you, how would you have me help someone today? What could I do? Maybe God would lead you to drop groceries off on somebody's doorstep. Maybe, maybe God would lead you to pay somebody's bill for them. You know, you can do all of these things today, you know, from more than six feet away. There are many, many ways that God could use you today. I think the important thing is that you hear from God, you do what he's asking you to do. And can you imagine when we're all able to gather together again, there'll be a bunch of believers that are hearing from God, worshiping God together, receiving the word from the Lord together. How awesome. What a day, a great day that'll be. You have no idea how much I long for that day. But until then, till then we're occupying, until then, we're walking in obedience. Until then, church, we're on the offensive. We're going to occupy. We're going to be obedient. We're going to be on the offensive. Amen? Amen. Father God, I ask that you would bless these, that you would keep these, Father God, that you would be gracious to these, Father God, that you would smile down upon them with your countenance and that you would give them peace, O God, we ask and pray. Bless them and keep them, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See you tomorrow at noon for prayer and then Good Friday service at one o'clock. Remember to be ready to take communion together. God bless. Enjoy Holy Week.